Hi, and welcome to Filmmaker's Compass Podcast, show where we talk about movies and, well, more movies. I'm D-Man, joined by CP. CP, how are you doing today? Dude, I am fantastic. How are you? I'm a little bummed that neither of us are wearing jerseys this week. Uh, you're usually pretty good about having some sort of attire for the video version of this podcast that matches and reflects the topics that we have this week. And today, for the listeners that are listening only and not watching, uh, he's just wearing a gray shirt. I know, I know. I'm, <laughs> what can I say? I'm not on my game. But hey, I would like to expose myself here and be oh, a little hey. vulnerable. <laughs> and I just want to say, in honor everybody's favorite past holiday, Valentine's Day, uh, I just want to say, D-Man, I love you. To our listeners, I love you. <laughs> and I love Filmmaker's Compass podcast. I really do. I really all do. around. I wish we could do like a like a an emoji graphic on our video. Just, <laughs> just like hearts, hearts everywhere. Yeah. yeah Maybe I will. It. That's you know, it. If it's there, if it's there, then I did it in post, but it's not part of our uh, <laughs> our Zoom capabilities. So <laughs> take that for what you will. All right. Well, you know, let's go ahead and uh, jump into shout outs because guess what? I actually have a lot of them this week, which is fantastic. It's so great to hear from all of you. And it's about a couple of our different episodes and posts throughout uh, this last week or two. So you ready for these, CP? Oh, I, I, I'm ready. I am all ready. Right. Well, first up in our shout outs is Prospective, who commented, I never read the Yuzong Vong saga, but I always thought an intriguing theory was that Palps foretold their arrival and began centralizing efforts and developing super weapons in order to combat them, only to become obsessed with power and control. Which, that is interesting. I think that's a cool idea. And suddenly you take Palpatine and you turn him from being this evil Sith overlord to this anti-hero who falls to his own ambitions. Which, I mean, that changes... The, the Star Wars narrative significantly. It's a cool idea. Right? Like, that is actually really cool. And he adds, I think it'd give more depth to Palpatine's motivations while adding a vast sandbox of content to play with like you suggested. That is a great idea, and I hope Disney execs are listening to the show because... I think we may have cracked the next Star Wars saga that can make it to the big screen. So thank you for that comment. We really appreciate it. Next up is uh, none other than Brad Banaka. And he actually jumped in in reference to the post you did about Taken and said, incredible, right? I, I remember being so pleasantly surprised after seeing it in theaters, but now he plays that same character in everything. LOL. So, which is true. I mean, yeah. he did cash in on that at the end of his career. I mean, he, he just, you know, it's like him in snow. It's like, you know, remember in like the late 80s, early 90s, it was like die hard on a plane, die hard on a bus, on a boat. You know, they just recycled the same thing in a different setting. Uh, you know, in this, it's like he's kind of the same character. I mean, in listen, the wood. in defense of <laughs> Liam Neeson, if I could become in when I get like late 60s, if I can be that much of a badass, I am doing something right. Fair enough. And he has made a fantastic career of it. So shout out to Qui-Gon. But Brad Banaka, we thank you for that comment. He also chimed in in reference to our sports film podcast last week. And he said, I'm more concerned on who's going to be offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. So you're talking to the right guys. Um, well, I actually really agree with this comment. If you don't know, Notre Dame's offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, took a job with Alabama, but Tommy Reese was getting quite a bit of criticism for the offense that was being run at Notre Dame this past year. He was, if anything, maybe the scapegoat, and maybe that was the inspiration for his leaving. Now, they have a big hole, and they have a new quarterback in the transfer protocol, so their offense can look very different. I'm fascinated to see who they pick. Love Notre Dame, so go Irish. 
CP, what do you think? Who, do you got anybody in mind? Or are you just hoping it's a big name? Uh, I just hope it's someone who's good. I don't care if it's a big name or not. How insane is it when you think about the fact that Tommy Reese is like, I don't know, 30? And now he has been an offensive coordinator for, he will be, Nick Saban yeah. and Brian Kelly. That guy is yeah. on his way to be having a huge career as a head coach. Well, I hope, I mean, everybody that seems to go through the Alabama program as a coordinator comes out the other side finding head coaching jobs and they seem to gain valuable experience. You have a lot of people who maybe were head coaches before that. They were not very good. They went through Alabama and Nick Saban and then they came out and they're pretty good. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. They're doing something right down there. And Tommy Reese, good luck. Probably a good career move. You know, I love Notre Dame. So, you know, on one hand, it's like, damn, he's gone. But on the other hand, you know, because he was quarterback for ND. On the other hand, you know, I think it's great for his career. And hopefully uh, it'll boost him in the future. So Absolutely. Next up, we have a comment from Giraffes65, Ivor, who said, uh, both of you are Indiana boys, correct? I am surprised neither of you mentioned breaking away last week in, in relation to our sports list. So CP, can you expand on this? <laughs> um, I feel like Drew would have listed this movie in his top, you know, top movies as well. Breaking Away, the famous cycling movie. Yeah, the IU, what is it? The, uh, what do they call it? Little Five, Little Five Hundred. Little Five, yeah, Little Five Hundred. It's actually a big party weekend at IU. And uh, the the race, it's like remarkable. I don't know, it's just like this huge tradition. So did Drew ever participate? Um, He probably participated by drinking a lot. Yeah, he probably partied, all right. He certainly Um, partied. Listen, Ivor, I, I put Hoosiers and Rudy on my sports list. So I think that that is enough tribute to Indiana. Well, I do agree. It would have been nice uh, when I do my list of best cycling movies. I will definitely include Breaking Away. I can also say that I have been to IU, never for Little Five, but I have been down there. And a lot of the places that we did go to party, you know, some of them were actual frat houses and stuff. They would just have Breaking Away playing on the TV. <laughs> like that was what was on. You know, they're blasting music and all this stuff, but like it would just be on. Yeah. I was like, that's pretty cool. So I actually do agree with that sentiment. Like CP said, Hoosiers and Rudy did make the list. So, you know, <laughs> we, we weren't neglecting Indiana. I hope, I hope we, we didn't, didn't forget back home. Way. We just, you know, we didn't want to make this be the Hoosier sports, po- uh, you know, podcast episode. Now Ivor goes on to say, and he starts his next comment. I agree with CP. Always now, like to hear that. Always that like to hear that. <laughs> That one, that was like a dagger. Uh, I agree with CP that Mr. Baseball is worth the watch. I have two sport movie lists. The Kevin Costner sport list, which is He's in so many baseball movies. Yeah. So number three, he did For the Love of the Game. Or actually, he did five. Five. We'll start with five. All right, let's do it. American Flyers. Okay. Four. Also cycling movie. Okay. Running movie. Three, For the Love of the Game. Two, Bull Durham. And one tin cup, which that's okay. actually a great list. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised he didn't put draft day on the yeah. the football movie. And the only baseball Kevin Costner movie that he's missing off that is um Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. Which is great also a great type. movie. Great. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. Great Costner list. Yeah. Field of Dreams. I mean, that I don't know. I don't that would make my list, I think. But I actually I haven't seen American Flyers. So I, I know what movie it is. That one I haven't seen though. So that'd probably get knocked off. Hey, me. shout out to Brian Tembosh who gets passed by the fat kid in McFarland. Brian, congratulations. That's awesome. And then he goes on second list is sports movies that hit me at the time of my life when I watch them. So okay. that's actually kind of cool. I mean, if you do it like that, right? Like, hey, Mighty Ducks when I was a kid, but now maybe uh, Miracle or Moneyball, you know, get that. Okay. Number four, this is only four. 
not five this okay. time. So okay. Okay. <laughs> I've we are looking for consistency on this show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, number four, Major League. Number three, Vision Quest, which did we mention Vision Quest? No, I don't we think did I not, had huh? any Oh my God, I don't that's even know that amazing. we talked about it. Okay. Two, Breaking Away. Okay. And number one, the original Bad News Bears. It's so weird. Did we ever talk about Bad News Bears? On we were show? actually we... going to do a movie remake time about a year ago, but for whatever reason, we did not. Yeah. Because you so actually do look at that movie, like the cursing, some of the jokes, how the coach handles coaching, some of the stuff. You're like, it is a bit of a movie of its time. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely something I feel like we could have, you know, dove into a little bit on a movie remake time segment because, I mean, I agree here. I think the original is better. I don't know if there's much debate about that really but <laughs> it is a movie of its time which is fascinating so Ivor thank you so much for your lists and your comments and then I know uh, I've, uh, you and I have kind of spoken DM about you know some potential stuff and we will connect so I guess we're recording so if we haven't already but <laughs> thank you very much uh, next up is actually uh, Jazzy the Great left us a um, well really it's not a comment so much as it is a comment on a comment I made on the Star Wars episode I guess I she quotes me and she says or I said they believe in honor and pain and all this crazy shit and then she's just like lol appreciate that I uh, made you laugh and more than <laughs> anything I appreciate that you took the time to comment so keep that coming we love hearing from you next up is actually uh eric drucker one at eric drucker one and he said did a three for today he listened to three episodes in one eric day drucker dude that's insane i don't want to listen to d-man and i talk that much of a day <laughs> that's amazing i mean i now i have to step up my game i mean i I can listen to myself talk. I can do it. <laughs> so <laughs> he said he listened to the sports one, the Christmas kickoff and Thanksgiving. Again, here we go. Props to CP for holding down the fort. A lot of props for CP this week. You know, I love it. Oh <laughs> man, this podcast just keeps getting better and better. Doesn't it? Yeah. Also next time, he says a team is going to win. I'm going to bet on it because he nailed it with Argentina winning the World Cup. Love the sports list. Happy Gilmore is the best. And I kind of agree with him there. Happy Gilmore is the best. Love that movie. Here's the last. It's not a shout out. It's a little bit of a segment. So, and I hope you're ready for this. It was sent to me via direct message and it is called Hollywood Update with Boom. What? Yeah. So he does an actual rundown of uh the <laughs> the oscars announcements short round is now an academy nominated actor deservedly so he was amazing in everything everywhere michelle yao should win for everything everywhere but kate blanchett will angela bassett could win for wakanda forever steven spielberg was nominated for best director directing a film that's pretty much about himself what a career <laughs> and then he goes and top motherfucking gun is a best picture nominated film along with elvis avatar way of water just past two billion was his note at that time but i think we mentioned that on the show all quiet on the eastern front everything Western everywhere front. and if oh sorry boone again we need accurate we want accuracy no, on kidding. this podcast <laughs> Uh, and then he said a few art artsy films that are darlings. Uh, this was your Hollywood update with Boone. Back to you, D-Man. So, Boone, thank you so much. <laughs> that was awesome. CP, have you seen any of those movies? Uh, I've seen Elvis. I've seen Anything Anywhere. I've seen Avatar Way of Water. Obviously, you I've see seen Top Gun. Top oh, yeah, you I, saw Top Gun. No, I <laughs> saw, what is it, The Banshees of... Irnashesh. Oh yeah. Which I actually love. Uh, if that awesome. one, I would think it would, I'd be fine with it. And I have not as of recording seen all quiet on the Western front, but I will be watching that. Western. What did I say? Eastern? Probably, yeah. My bad. 
It's a directional thing. They're confused. Did you have any shout outs on this episode? Because I know I just like really thank you, everybody. We just ran through it. That was awesome. Look, I would like to give a shout out to the Imperial Valley Film Commission. And I'm not going to to go into details as to why just yet. But we're going to probably talk about it in a couple minutes on this podcast. You know, it might just be a couple seconds. Might just be. Uh, (laughs) Well, if that's all the shout outs you have, then we can go ahead and jump into our topics this week. So first up, we're doing a little segment called uh, Storytime with CP. Yay. So, and this leads right into his shout out. So tell us your story. Well, so I did something really amazing that I mostly want to talk about on this podcast to rub in D-Man's face, but also mm. to share with the rest of you listeners, because I know that you're listening to this podcast because you love movies and many of you love the same movies that D-Man and I do. So I thought you would think that this was pretty cool too. So last weekend, February 4th. I know it's a little, little, uh, removed from, from the time you're listening to this (laughs) podcast. I took a trip out to the Imperial Valley. I know what you're thinking. Why would anyone want to go willingly (laughs) out to the Imperial Valley? But I will tell you, and it was amazing. So I went out to a little place you may have heard of on the Arizona border called Glamis. Oh, I've heard of Glamis. I have never been there, but I am going. So as of this going in like a week or two. Yeah. I'm going in like a week. So I'm excited. Now, for anybody listening or watching, essentially what CP is describing is down in San Diego, the southernmost point of, uh, you know, coastal land in California. He's going east here into the desert toward Arizona. So Glamis is bordering Yuma, Arizona and Mexico. In fact, from Glamis, you can look over and see the United States Mexico border fence. Nice. So we're right down there. And this was in South Glamis. And the reason why I went to Glamis was because 2023 is the 40th anniversary of one of our very favorite movies, a little film you may have heard of called Return of the Jedi. Amazing. And why does it matter? Because the awesome thing about Glamis is it has these monstrous sand dunes. And these sand dunes are essentially the stand-in for every single Hollywood blockbuster film that wants to pretend like they're shooting in the Gobi Desert or the Sahara uh, without actually going out to the Gobi Desert or the Sahara. And so this happened to be where George Lucas shot Return of the Jedi, the Sarlacc Pit. Yeah, maybe a little something you've heard of called the Dune Sea. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's amazing, man. So So, now there was no Sarlacc pit, correct? Not anymore because it was blown up, but you could actually (laughs) find styrofoam pieces of the original Sarlacc, like the the tusks from Sarlacc. And actually people were coming out of the desert with, like pieces of the star of, of the styrofoam now, that they found. How the hell is all that still there? This is 40 years. What's insane about it is uh, this event was put on partially by the Inland uh, Imperial Valley Film Commission, partially on by the Federal Bureau of Land Management. Now the Bureau of Land Management oversees Glamis. I was actually talking to the Rangers and they said, the weird thing is that the desert doesn't change. Sand Ooh. blows in, sand blows out, but everything that's there stays the same. Okay. So because of that, after 40 years, you can still find sandbags that they used when they were shooting to hold lights in place. You can still find pieces of wood and tile from the actual really? sail barge that blew up. Yeah. So. They said it's not uncommon for people to go out there and walk out with movie props that were used at the time of wow. shooting Return of the Jedi. Now, That's very cool. I had a great time because, first of all, to get out to where 
they filmed Return of the Jedi. It's a couple miles into the desert. So you got to load up on dune buggies and you're going over mountains. You get out there and you get to walk around and check out the site. To really sell this, they brought out the 501st. So there were stormtroopers and sand troopers all over taking pictures with people. The Bureau of Land Management set up all these awesome events that were Star Wars themed about archaeology and tracking, kind of showing the local wildlife and adding their (laughs) Tatooine spin on it. And then if you went to enough of these booths, you got a certificate, a passport that said you visited Tatooine. That's there awesome. sand from Tatooine. And then this might have been the coolest part, D-Man. They brought out some actors who were part of the original Return of the Jedi movie to talk about the experience of shooting with George Lucas. That is awesome. And then as the sun went down, they screened Return of the Jedi in the desert where it was made 40 years earlier. And it was freaking amazing. Wow, that's really neat that it got so involved. Like they had different stands set up. I mean, it seems they were at least very thoughtful about making this an experience and not just like, oh, hey, pull out a blanket and watch the movie. seems like it was, you know, you could actually really have some fun out there. Meet some cool people too. So I got to ask you, uh, I know Return of the Jedi released in May. So this is February and you said February 4th. That is not the anniversary of Return of the Jedi. I'm assuming it gets pretty hot in that desert in May, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm I don't think they want to do it in May because it's a little, a little toasty. But uh, when I went out, it was, you know, 70 degrees. It was perfect. It got cold during the end of the movie when nine o'clock rolled around and it's pitch black in the middle of the desert. Yeah, it's, it's cold. How did they get you around out there? How do you like get out there? Um, they, part of it was set up right at the ranger station on the edge of, Uh, but as I said, they put you in dune buggies and ranger jeeps and take you out to the, to the deep desert part. And what's even cooler is this whole thing was free. That's awesome. Put it on and yeah. You know, there were did it, did it have a good turnout? Because I mean, I, as cool as it is, I mean, it's probably a little difficult for people to make that track all the way to Glamis. Better than I thought. There were a few hundred people. I mean, it wasn't oh, shoot. what it could lot. have been as a Star Wars event with thousands of people, but it was it was a lot of fun. That's pretty. I sweet. heard they may be making this an annual thing, so we'll have to go next year. I don't know how big the screen is, but anytime Star Wars is on the big screen, I am interested. Honestly, if they put Star Wars out tomorrow on the big screen, like I'd go. Now I posted this, these images to our uh, FCP Instagram. So I saved it as one of our safe stories. So you can check it out if you want to know a little bit more about what it was like. Nice. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you had fun and uh, I'm jealous that I wasn't there. So (laughs) that is awesome. All right. Well, next up in our topics, we actually want to discuss a little bit of industry news. So instead of doing, you know, strictly a movie remake time or something, a couple things happened this week that were intriguing to us that we want to talk about. The first of which is CP. I think I sent you a link to this story, but I did not know that any movie theater, I've never heard of a movie theater doing this, but apparently going forward, AMC is changing their ticket pricing to a tiered system for better seats, which is crazy because I know they have AMC stubs. And if you you know have a membership, what does that mean for how many movies or where you can sit? I'm sure they'll have to iron all that out. But essentially, forget having the membership. If you just show up at an AMC theater now, instead of paying whatever the admission is for a single movie ticket, you will be charged based on the seat that you choose. So if you want to sit like in the middle 
towards the top, probably going to be like $20 versus $12. And if I also heard they have kind of a like cheap seats, if you sit like in the top corner, it might be $10. Or, you know, if you're in the front row, it might be 10. I don't know. I'm curious. What do you think of this? I mean, their reasoning in their, their pitch to, you know, in the press release to the public was that they wanted to catch up to all other uh, live venue seating kind of arrangements, meaning like if you go to a concert, if you go to a sporting event, right? Like anything like that, it's not a one price gets you in the door and you can sit anywhere you want. You pay premium to sit in the good seats. What do you think? Do you like this or do you hate it? I think this is really steep. I mean, I get what AMC's doing, but I don't like it. I'll go. I mean, first of all, I have stubs, so I'm assuming it doesn't matter in my three tickets, whether I take the best, you know, my three weekly tickets, whether I take the best yeah. in the house or the worst, it's still one of my tickets. My issue is this. I don't get why other than just making more money. I mean, I go to the movies all the time and there's five people in it. Are you really telling me that it is essential that in a movie theater that is not full, we need to charge someone $3 more to sit in this seat versus three seats over? I think that's well, stupid. you also run into the problem of particularly theaters that are not full. I mean, I'm guessing they're not going to be policing this. So yeah, right. realistically, like if the movie's not full, I'll just pay for the cheapest seat and then sit wherever the hell I want. I mean, part of it is if the cheap seats were actually cheaper and if they're like, look, if the average movie ticket is is $15 and we're going to give you for these great, perfect center row, the surround sound is totally balanced, you're going to pay 20 Well, are you going to give us a $7 ticket for a really crappy seat because if that's the case then i mean maybe i guess maybe it's slightly fair if you're going significantly below market value to get some of these crappy seats filled but what about when you go to small theaters right at, my, at the amc i regularly go to there is a theater that has like 12 seats you know it's Are you serious? yeah it's like just tucked away it's it's they have 12 one, yeah it's 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 ridiculous <laughs> it's for like the movie that they're like it's only going to be i think that's only you man. one more time <laughs> Are you telling me that there's going to be potentially a $10 difference between one seat versus the next? Because that's crazy. Or what about this one? What about handicap seats? Now, I will tell you this. Handicap seats in most AMC theaters that I go to are the best seats in the house. And you can't charge them more because that would be discrimination. Yeah, I would think that that would be excluded. I don't have the details in front of me, but my guess is that would be excluded. Whatever the like kind of average is, that's but what But then do be. you run into the people abusing the handicap seats for the sake of paying regular tiered pricing for the best seat in the house? Because then the handicapped people don't have access to handicap seats. My take on this is I do get that this makes sense for something like premieres. Mm -hmm. So like yeah. if you're, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania is coming out. I'm assuming they're going to have whatever their, you know, midnight shows, but really just like Thursday night shows. And a lot of them are going to be sold out or for that matter, full, even if they don't completely sell out. In that case, for premieres, I could see something like this being like, hey, if you want to sit here, because we're already letting you choose your seats when you come and you're just choosing what's available, not based on price. I could see maybe for premieres, this being something that it's like, fine, I guess we got to put up with it because I want to go see it. I want to see it now and I want to see it on the big screen. This doesn't make any sense to me at all. Like you said, for like matinees, it doesn't make sense for movie theaters that are half full because they're not going to police it. They're not going to go around and check people's tickets once the movie starts you can't do that that's interrupting the movie mm -hmm. so essentially you can just go sit wherever you want at the end of the day 
the problem is movie theaters right now, and this is a theater problem. I mean, the industry as a whole, ha- you know, is in on this problem. But generally speaking, theaters take the brunt of it. They're having trouble getting people to go to freaking movies. Mm. Why would you put another thing in front of people to make it harder to get them to go? Yeah, it's it's stupid. I don't I don't understand why. Um, because again, I just I don't think it makes that much of a difference. And I think for most movies, I don't I don't know that you have to be that I don't know that there's I think okay let me start over here because that's made no sense at all there are very few movies where I'm gonna say I want to pay ten dollars more to be sitting right there as opposed to right here I just I don't I don't get it and I mean I I go to plenty of movies myself where I'm the you know one of two people in the theater I go you know two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm like it's stupid I don't get it it doesn't seem like the best idea to me like I said I get it for maybe premiere showings maybe if you did premiere weekends for select movies that I could understand that I, I would get but yeah I mean like it doesn't even I'll just take the cheapest ticket then who cares I just also think it's kind of uh asinine when AMC says we want to do what they do with other live events but the difference is when you go to a live event in Staples Center, there are literally thousands of seats, Yeah. right? And so the idea is you get more. You, you get from section three down to floor level when you pay a significant amount of money. Why are we paying more money for literally a matter of rows? Yeah, and they're also, that kind of, I don't know, kind of looks bad. It's almost an acknowledgement that they're like, yeah, not every seat in this theater is actually great. Some of them suck. They're not actually acknowledging it, but they are. They're like, nobody wants to sit down there. Why? Because those seats are terrible. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody wants to sit up here because the surround sound's not as good. You're like, Mm -hmm. well, then fix that. Make every seat great and just charge a decent amount. I don't understand it. And I feel like this has the potential to blow up in in their face because... I just think the result is going to be, whereas people may have been willing to go see two movies once before in a week, now they're going to go see one. Or they'll watch movies on their couch, which takes me into our second topic in this industry news segment, which is we have finally received the details about how Netflix plans to curb password sharing. Do you want to explain it? Go, go for it. Well, essentially the idea is Netflix wants you once a month to log in to the Wi-Fi at the address that the account is built. So okay. what does this mean? This means that now, like if your mom shares your Netflix password, your mom has to fly all the way back to California, mm. bring her you Don't know, do it. device, her PlayStation 5, whatever she watches Netflix on, <laughs> Sign into it and then fly back to her house to watch Netflix for a month. Yeah. Seems a bit extreme. And I mean, look, if you have your stolen Netflix on someone's phone, it's not a big deal. I just am going to go over to your house now more frequently than I already do to keep stealing your Netflix. Not a problem yeah. for the phone people. It's for the the television people that I see it being an issue. I think, you know, I'm not, as far as just the technology goes, the idea of having to kind of like check your device in at a home, like designated home. I get it. I'm assuming it'll work smoothly. And I know Netflix wants to curb password sharing. And we actually did a podcast, so you can go back a few episodes. We actually do one where we kind of talk about uh, the state of streaming. Mm-hmm. And this was one of the topics we talked about. So I don't want to dive too much into not really a fan of curbing password sharing just because I know Netflix encouraged it in order to juice growth and now they're kind of being like no you can't right but I think what bothers me a little bit more 
I, I think password sharing is is the wrong way of like locking down the account. I think Netflix would be much better off with their ad supported tier, even though they always said like they'd never have ads. And I don't want an ad supported Netflix, right? I'll pay the extra. If you know anything and I work in advertising, like the real money is in the ads, selling the ad space. They're going to make a t they're going to make way more money off the advertising tier than they will from subscription payments from higher paying tiered people. I feel like so if Netflix is trying to, you know, get more revenue and bring in more people, do it through the ad tier. Don't limit what everybody that has been a, a loyal paying customer for probably almost a decade now, you know, a decade or less. Don't start taking away elements that they've had access to. That's well, just weird to me. I, I think that's weird. I also think though that they're kind of approaching it from the wrong way. I mean, for example, let's say you work, I mean, I know you work at home, but what about all the people who work at work right? yeah. who actually go into an office? Well, you could have a television or a device at your office that you play Netflix on, yeah. maybe your computer. I think it's a little foolish to think that just because a device is not on the same Wi-Fi does not mean it's a device used by the same subscriber. Perhaps a better way would be to crack down more on the number of actual logins that you can have. Maybe restrict that more. Because I get what you're saying, right? It's like, hey, just because I don't bring my device at work or even for that matter, right? Like maybe it's just a, you know, an 18 year old who just went off to college, uses the family Netflix account, but mm -hmm. doesn't go home once a month. Well, they're going to lose access. Mm -hmm. I don't, I just don't get, it feels like you're going to anger people more than inspire them to be like, oh, you know, I'll just get my own account. People are just going to be like, fine, screw Netflix then. Mm -hmm. You know, and I get what you're saying because, right, if I'm a member of that family, just because I haven't been at home doesn't mean that I shouldn't be able to use the family subscription. Like you said, if I'm the same person, right, I'm, I have a, TV in the break room at work that has Netflix for all of our employees. I use it at home. They're they're basically like, nah, you got to pay twice. Well, so like, and I you're mean, like, but I'm the same guy. It's my account, right? And like, I think I about it. So now you're telling me like the whole genius of Netflix was that like you could take the entire library with you anywhere you go, and now you're like, nah, yep. you have to have multiple accounts at different places and all this shit. I'm like, I don't want five Netflix freaking accounts. Oh, I'm sorry, starting to get heated here, CP. Uh, that's okay. I mean, I think about it like so for example, I have my Netflix at my grandma's house. My grandma does not watch Netflix. She doesn't even know how to turn on Netflix. She doesn't know what Netflix is. But if I go over there and I'm hanging out, we might watch a movie on Netflix. I'm like, she will never pay for Netflix. She won't yeah. even watch Netflix unless I'm there and I turn it on and I say, oh, do you want to watch this old movie that happens to be on Netflix, right? I don't think that those are the type of people that Netflix is trying to eliminate. I think what Netflix is trying to eliminate is in the older days of Netflix, really, where, you know, it was like, I mean, give it to your friends. Yeah, I remember there was a point where, like, I think like five of us were all on Drew's Netflix before we bought our own. Yeah, okay. Now, but that's the thing. We I went feel out like and bought most our own people, Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I feel like most people did buy their own Netflix. You know, eventually you got a Roku, you got a Amazon device, you got an Apple TV, you know, a Chromecast, and you were like, you know what? I should have my own. I don't think Netflix. Like, I don't think anymore people are like just giving out their Netflix a pa password to like 10, 20 people. Mm -hmm. It's literally people in their immediate family. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I mean, if I go to your house, you come to my house, I bet if we go to most of our listeners' house houses, they're either a part of a family that has a Netflix account or they have their own. Like most people, and there, I guarantee you there's a couple people that might still have a friend's password or something, but that should phase out over time. I don't think you got to like ruin it for everybody else. And besides, like I said, Netflix is making it sound like everybody's had this long to take advantage of it. Netflix encouraged it. Yep. They wanted Netflix on every single device that could have it. And they wanted everybody watching Netflix. They were not, I think, you know, ashamed of doing that. They were like, no, that's how we got to be the number one streamer. And, and we've had the, the best subscriber growth of any streaming company. Like, it's like, literally, they got to the top of the mountain. They have the most. And you're like, it worked. And now you want to, like, lock it down. You're like, I just, I don't know. It's upsetting. No, I'm absolutely, I, I, I agree with you. As I mentioned on the last episode, my fear is that this will work to some extent. Netflix is going to point to all these little things that they've done to turn the corner on these uh, quarterly losses between ad tiers and, you know, cracking down on on password sharing and now we're going to get the same rollout with hbo max and disney plus and every other streaming service which i think it's kind of frustrating because again i don't think there's anything wrong with you know you and your brother sharing a hbo max account you know i don't think so either yeah another alternative is uh, you could go back to the movies. So (laughs) our third piece of news in this industry segment is that apparently this summer, MoviePass is returning. Well, as of now, MoviePass is returning, returning. Yeah. People that are already on it, out of beta. Now, you you were a MoviePass user. I never had it, even though, uh, as far as good word of mouth goes, you encouraged me to get it, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you were like, you should have it. Well, anyway... Tell us a little bit about the new version of MoviePass because I think they tried to do a rollout like two years ago and they really locked the service down and it was awful and it it died, (laughs) you know, like as it should. It was not a good service. And once they were competing on that level with the likes of, say, AMC or Regal or whoever, it was just kind of a shame because they they didn't have any differentiator. There was no reason to use MoviePass over, you know, another your local theater's subscription service so what does this new version look like um so i i did get the email i was on the beta list i did get my now's your chance to join you know sign up for movie pass i passed on it my understanding is it seems like they wised up a little bit you can still get a plan where you can essentially go see a movie every day of the month which mm. was the old movie pass but instead of the 10 15 that a lot of people were locked into uh that is going to be a 40 dollar plan i heard and- it could be as much as 60 Yeah. And then they have lower tiered plans where they're giving you credits and credits are redeemable for movies. Uh, There's one where you get like three movies a month. I think that's the $10 plan. There's a $20 plan where you get like six and then, you know, it goes up to this 40, 50, $60 plan where you get unlimited movies. Now, the thing I don't understand, and when I was going through the process of quote unquote, signing up for the movie press, they never specified how are credits allocated. So that was why I was like, yeah, I'll stick with my AMC plan. I get more than, you know, I would with most of the movie past plans anyway. But the thing is, do 3D movies count differently? What I about when they AMC, would, yeah. What about when AMC rolls out this uh premiere pricing based on your CD? The other thing I wonder about is towards the end of Movie Pass's original run, they introduced a thing called surge pricing, which was, hey, you want to go see something like Avengers Endgame? Well, not only are you going to get, you know, it's going to cost, you know, one of your Movie Pass uses, but we're also going to tack a $5 
surge price on top of it. And I don't know if these these in-demand movies are going to take more credits than- Yeah, I think they would. Are in demand. And I don't know why else they would go into this process of calling it credits unless it was something like that where they were allocated versus, you know, where you had to weigh your options. So, I mean, the biggest differentiator with MoviePass from something like, say, AMC Stubbs is allegedly MoviePass will still work at any theater you go to. I, I believe they wrote on their website that accepts credit card. I mean, that is kind of the thing is like, hey, if you go to the movie and it's an AMC theater, that's your theater and that's where you go. And for a lot of people, you know, you think back to our time in Indiana, you know, for a long time, there was like a dollar movie theater and then like the movie theater. There was only mm-hmm. one. Yeah. It's not like we, you know, here in L.A., there's so many you can. Yeah go wherever you want. So in a metropolitan area, I get that. But a lot of people that aren't in metropolitan areas, you know, they might only have one theater. If that isn't the differentiating factor for them, I don't know what else MoviePass is offering that you wouldn't get with something else. Now, the other problem I have with MoviePass is um, the world has changed significantly since the first time MoviePass was rolled out. If you remember kind of the first time MoviePass was rolled out, every theater wasn't using online advanced ticketing. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much that's the standard when you go to the movies now. You know, you reserve your ticket online, you buy it, you have your seat. The first time MoviePass came out, it was still kind of the show up and and pick pick your theater. Pick yeah, your you're at the, you, you have there. to actually go at to the, the box theater. office. Yeah. And MoviePass still requires you to be at the box office to buy your ticket. You really? Yeah, which I think is kind of a missed opportunity because <coughs> again, if it's if it's this debit card transaction, which you know you still get your MoviePass card like before, um, mm. I don't know why they do, haven't built in a way to reserve tickets in advance. I mean, I'm assuming it's because the theater chains don't necessarily want to work with them. Probably. I mean, it's it, I don't know. It's just such an interesting proposition. You know, I know a couple of the other perks I saw were that at least for, I think it's like two months or whatever, whatever credits you haven't used do roll over. So, you know, obviously it's a subscription plan, but they are saying that like, hey, I mean, we will roll it over to an extent, like whatever it was, two months or three months or something. They might be able to offer some local perks. I know something MoviePass was working on before everything tanked was they were trying to cut deals with a lot of the restaurants and stores and different stuff in areas near theaters. Mm -hmm. You know, they were trying to make it so that not only would people go to the movies, but maybe they would go get dinner before because you could uh, book a reservation at this place with a code from MoviePass and mm-hmm. you'd get like 10% off or something. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what else they're going to try to, you know, mix in as perks possible. They could get something like that. That seems like a huge undertaking, though. Well, and the problem that New Movie Pass is going to have with any of these perks is when you're such a colossal failure like they were last time where it just went up in smokes, everyone's going to be a little hesitant from consumers yeah, right. to, mm-hmm. to other brands that you're trying to partner with. And they're really going to have to make the case that this this time it's going to work and it's going to be sustainable. Yeah, I did. I, I thought they were the right company at the right time. Uh, they weren't the right company, but it was the right time. It was very clearly obvious to us that, you know, hey, there's a lot of movie theaters that are fairly empty a majority of the day and Mm -hmm. people aren't going out of their way to go to the movies and pay what, you know, a lot of people deem as a pretty expensive experience. Once you're buying your ticket, once you're getting some popcorn and a drink or a snack, you know, by the time you're done, you're like, I I personally have dropped like 30, 35 dollars. I thought it was great. You know, I I still I I still hold out hope that they can kind of solve that problem uh, because I love the theater experience. You know, we've talked about this. I don't want to see it go away or, you know, I don't want to get nickel and dime to sit in the middle. You know, I don't want that either. 
I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on at the theater, but hopefully these guys can, uh, you know, duke it out, solve the problems, you know, because I wouldn't mind a subscription service and then going to the movies all the time. It's just, can they get it just right? No, so. I agree. And that's, and that's the question. Can, are they going to get it right? So look, I mean, to our listeners, I'm curious, did you have the old movie pass and what are your thoughts on the new one? Because again, I only know one person who is on the new movie pass plan. Uh, shout out Nick Gilbert. He, texted me a little mm. picture of his fancy movie pass card that he just got um but other than that i don't know so i'm curious what do you think is 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 this time it going to be different and are you gonna are you gonna check it out because yeah we'll see so pretty awesome cp that takes us into our next topic this week our final topic and this week we're gonna do another list but in honor of this week being valentine's day we will be talking our top five romantic comedies. DM and I were thinking, hey, it's Valentine's Day. You know, hopefully you had a great time yesterday telling somebody you love them. Um, if you had a nasty breakup, what a great way to tell someone that you hate them other than Valentine's <laughs> Day. And if you don't care at all, then that's fine too. But that inspired us to take a look at romantic comedies. So we got each of us put together a list of, well, our top five. Do you well, want to go first? CP, sure, I'll, I'll go ahead and kick it off. I did want to give some honorable mentions here Ooh, for okay. some of the movies that I actually do love but i don't i wouldn't say that i watch them like every year if it was on or you know somebody was like hey let's watch this i'd be like okay cool so for instance honorable mentions to the proposal ryan reynolds and sandra bullock proposal. it's love very it. funny love uh it. yeah it's actually i know you like sandra bullock in general <laughs> but the proposal is very funny uh it, it has obviously its whole story is based in in the romantic comedy genre so it's kind of a, a staple there number two is just clueless i don't know if you've ever seen Another that it's not one. it's a comedy i don't know that i would go so far as call it a romantic comedy but it is a snapshot of like 90s valley girls and there is a a, a com or a, a romantic element to it but mm -hmm. great movie now here's one that that's a little bit different didn't make my list because i don't watch it all the time but i did appreciate just how crazy the actual plot of the movie was and that's eternal sunshine of the spotless mind Ooh, it's actually that is a is a romantic comedy huh it's, it's so yeah, trippy it's, i don't think of it as like a typical rom-com because there's it's definitely not typical other stuff going on in it and jim carrey is not jim carrey it's so trippy i know it, it, oh, it's a crazy crazy movie though it's a lot of i don't know i'll have to rewatch that one this is one that i i thought might make your list so i'm gonna do an honorable mention anyway but i thought maybe but princess bride Mm, that's a good movie too. Shout out. That's actually one of Matt Helson's favorite movies, which he hates everything. So I was always shocked to find that he liked The Princess Bride. Yeah. I mean, and it's a great movie. And then uh, the final honorable mention is just going to be Knocked Up, which <laughs> Judd Apatow, you know, it's a, a great movie about going through the process of becoming parents, you know, or it, for that matter, uh, transitioning to adulthood. Yeah. So cool. But number five on my list, this is a guilty pleasure. This is one of... Uh, my favorite romantic comedies, but you've got mail. I knew that was going to be on your list. I knew yeah, it. Tom, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Uh, it's again, kind of a little bit of a, it's dated to the late nineties, but I, I really always liked the vibe. I thought there was something just so cheerful about, you know, talking to people and, you know, at that time, you know, the internet particularly was still very, very anonymous. Mm -hmm. I think they even do a, a story in friends where like Chandler's talking to somebody and they're like, that could be a dude, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Cause that, you know, and it, the internet can still be that way, but a lot of things now are set up, you know, obviously to eliminate at least some of the un yeah. anonymous aspects of it but i just thought it was a great uh, a great romantic comedy i like that it was set in new york city 
I liked the little bookstore storyline, like, you know, yeah. how, how, you know, they're kind of a dying business in an age where the other guys like basically Amazon, yeah. you know, taking out all the small businesses. I, I don't know. There's some cool elements to it. And the, the romantic element too. I thought they had good chemistry and it worked, even though they're not actually on screen very much. And when they are, they're often, they hate each other yeah, because of the business. The time. Yeah, yeah. It kind of, it, it all hinges on whether or not they can sell the audience at that final moment that, oh, we can get past all that because we really do love each other. And I thought, they nailed it mm -hmm. so tom hanks the guy is just awesome the guy is awesome number four on my list now this isn't i wouldn't call it you know a classic like romantic comedy but it is funny and there's a huge romantic element to it and it's right in the title and that's love and basketball so if you haven't seen it cp you would probably hate it because it takes place at usc Ooh, I and do hate usc i mean it's actually it's it's a lot of fun it's it's mm, about these doesn't sound fun Sounds terrible. <laughs> well, it's about these two two lovebirds that, you know, meet when they're kids and they grow up together, both playing basketball, both, you know, uh, deciding where they're going to go to college, playing collegiately and then pro. And, you know, they keep kind of getting together, breaking up, getting together, breaking up. And it's all around their love of basketball. So I, I love that movie. I, I think it has a great soundtrack. And there's, you know, a lot in that movie that, you know, is very entertaining. So number three. Now, this is just classic through and through hitch this is will smith in his prime when he could sell any movie now this is a before great before he started slapping people no this is way before that but i mean just this is back like early 2000s when like if you put him in a movie it's gonna it sell fire yeah yeah so and hitch is great you know uh it has uh what's his name kevin the, james uh, kevin james yeah i was gonna say uh hilarious kevin james yeah. is so funny in that movie he plays that character right even the idea of like you know as far as romantic comedies go this is one where the premise itself is built right in right he's a love doctor and he helps men link up with women in a non just strictly you know this isn't tinder he's trying to help people foster relationships well yeah. that's the catch is that a lot of people think that he's manipulating other people and screwing people over so that is the premise of the movie, but obviously there's two parallel love stories that happen. One, the doctor himself, and the other one for one of his clients. You know the other weird thing about Hinge? Or Hitch. Hitch, not Hinge. Hinge is what it would be called now. But Hitch is crazy because it's one of the few romantic comedies really from a male perspective. The two main yeah. characters are men, right? It is the love doctor, a man, his favorite client, a man, and their battle against the you know, single women of New York City. So yeah, backdrop of New York is good too. Yeah, always works. And then that dance scene to close out the film is just great at the wedding. Love it. Kevin James knocks it out of the park. Uh, number two on my list. This is just a hilarious, another Judd Apatow film. Or it's a Judd, it's not, he didn't direct it, but it's uh, in that vein. That's Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I understand that my top two could actually be considered breakup movies. There are love stories and they do have to do with kind of like getting over somebody and forgetting Sarah Marshall is absolutely hilarious. Probably the funniest movie I have on my list. It cracks me up every time. It's so quotable as a lot of the, uh, you know, Apatow brand films are. I thought everybody knocked it out of the park. And uh, the, yeah, the, the quotes is really just what gets me. It's like you can sit there, watch it and quote it. It's great. Yeah. But number one is actually for me going to be 500 Days of Summer. So starring JGL, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and uh, oh gosh, what's her name? Zoe, Zoe Deschanel. Deschanel. Yeah. And so the, another breakup film. I, I, 
really and they state at the beginning of this movie that it is not a love story actually really intrigues me about this movie is it is quite funny but i love the way it tells its story non-linearly the reference mm. in the title 500 days of summer is basically how many days jgl's character dated zoe dated some and so what it does is it it the movie starts at like day whatever like 302 and that's when they break up and so to, in order to tell the story they jump backwards and then forwards and then forwards even more and then backwards mm -hmm. and they do it through this kind of like day ticker so you always kind of know where you're indexed in those 500 days of summer and it's i don't know it's, it was a lot of fun i think it's hilarious there's some you know uh, there's a great moment where i think he's singing He's singing a song while he like after they hooked up. Yeah, he's like yeah, on his yeah, way to yeah. work and he like looks at himself in his reflection and it's Han Solo. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's how I'm sure we've all felt that way at one point. You know, you're like, I am I am the goat. But yeah, I mean, my love for that movie is really just it, it's nonlinear ability to tell a coherent story that carries a lot of emotion. It's very entertaining. I really also, like it. another kind of rom-com from the male perspective. In fact, it was, it's a, kind of weird when you really analyze the movie at how little character development she actually has. Yeah, I think there's like a trope for that. It's yeah. called like the, I don't know, fairy pixie dream girl or something. Yeah. And it's where, yeah, like essentially she's, you know, in story-wise, plot-wise in a film, she's kind of the object to be had or to get over, but that she doesn't have a lot of autonomy as a character herself. Yeah, it's all in juxtaposition to him and his movies. Right. So, and that is somewhat of a trope. So, again, it's because it, it's jumping around. It's like his telling of the story. So, in a weird way, like, it kind of works because it doesn't actually, it's not following her at all. Right. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. the story as it's told is from his perspective and his interactions with her are exclusively, you know, how he sees it yeah. versus, you know, telling the, you know, concurrent two different character stories. But I think it gets that ra bad rap for that trope because the movie starts off by showing like almost old like home videos, but it does it for both of them. So there's an implication right out of the gate that they're both kind of like the main characters, but really it's just him. Oh, and I love that joke. He works for basically like a card writing company, essentially Hallmark. He gets all pissed off and he's like, we're liars. You know, we, we, we lie to people so they don't have to say how they really feel. Like for example, when he like picks up a card, it's like, congratulations on your new baby. And he's like, yeah, what I really mean is congratulations on your new baby. There goes hanging out. Like <laughs> great line. Oh, that's the truth, though. And then he walks out and his best friend is there and he works there, too. And he just does a slow clap and then looks around and everybody's like, no, don't do that. That's my top five. Let All me right. know what you guys think. And uh, CP, throw it over to you. Um, this was kind of hard for me because I wanted to make sure. First of all, there are some god awful romantic comedies that's out true. there. Hashtag Moonstruck with Cher. Freaking horrible. Now. <laughs> There's a lot of great movies that walk the line and you're like, is this a romantic comedy or not? I thought about this for about 15 minutes with one of my all-time favorite movies, which you probably know what this is, Miss Congeniality. Yeah. Is it a romantic oh, yeah. comedy? Sandra Bullock not? again. I decided it's not because <laughs> uh, it's everything else. It's action. It's, you know, what specifically <laughs> counts as a romantic comedy and what's a romance movie? Like it's, these are the things that my mind stumbles down when I'm sitting here making a list of movies. So okay. these are the five that I settled on. Okay. And well, we'll see what you think. I think they're pretty good, but well, you can disagree with me, but you'd be wrong. So number five, 
Just Like Heaven from 2005. Reese Witherspoon, Mark Ruffalo, directed by one of my all-time favorite directors, Mark Waters, hashtag Mean Girls. I just think it's, it's a funny movie. And there's some interesting twists playing with the rom-com genre. I I think it's funny. It also has John Head, uh, who is it? Header? Yeah. Napoleon Dynamite when he was actually like acting in Hollywood and making movies for like that three-year run. I know. He's still doing stuff. Hilarious in it. I'll I don't know. I haven't seen him in anything in a long time, but he was pretty funny when he was uh, on on top of his game there. Number four, Made in Manhattan from two. I knew you'd pick yeah. two. I, I loved Made that. in Manhattan. Love J Lo. Love Ralph Phineas. But also, D Man, did you know this? Made in Manhattan, set against the backdrop of New York. Yep. Story by that was the implied, one <laughs> and only John Hughes. Wow. No, I did not know that. Last movie he actually worked on. Wow. Oh, that's so a really I, cool I, piece I of gotta, trivia right like, there. Like there's a piece of that. I'm like, how can I not like it when it's John Hughes? I mean, audience, this is during you... J-Lo's kind of like romantic comedy era, right? Yeah. With like the wedding planner and all. She had like yeah. a bunch of those in a row. Like yeah. monster-in-law and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. She did... yeah, exactly. And I mean, if you've listened to the show, you know, Dustin and I love John Hughes. So of course I had to put a John Hughes movie in there. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, number three, we're not going to go into this too much because I believe it's actually the number three on your list, which was Hitch from so we both had it at three well yeah okay i mean we talked about it already but i do think it's really funny i would consider it probably will smith's funniest movie um it's kevin james before he got too too goofy like his his humor is very much in line with kind of like kevin james stand-up comedian and i love it and i'll watch it all the time if i get the chance number two i don't know if you've ever seen this it happened one night from 1934 no i haven't Considered one of the best movies ever made, Clark Gable, Colette Colbert. Wow, okay. Directed by Frank Capra. This has the distinction of not only being an Academy Award winner, one of three movies to win all the big five awards. Wow. This is a monster pick right here. Yeah, so if you haven't seen it, you should definitely find it because it's- And you're um, going all the way back to the golden era of Hollywood here. I would say it's the prototype for the genre. Um, and it's, a, okay. I mean, it's an old movie, but it, it's still in many ways, uh, totally delivers as a romantic comedy. Taking a look at the source material. Huh? <laughs> and then number one for me, while you were sleeping from 1994 with my very favorite Sandra Bullock. Oh yeah. Sandra Bill Bullock's- Pullman takes place in Chicago. It's a great movie. I'm going to go watch yeah. it after this right now. Can't even, your, your Sandra Bullock love. I mean, it's just crazy. I don't understand it, but I will tell you, this was the movie I saw as a kid. And I was like, I am in love with that woman. Interesting. It's got that's love struck. You know, another movie that I think is a staple of the genre. We didn't mention it though, was when Harry met Sally. That's actually in many, I was looking at some lists and that's the number one on most lists of best romantic comedies. And I mean, it's so weird because I don't think of, Billy Crystal in any way, the typical leading man for a rom-com. He He's had that hilarious. in Sleepless in Seattle, both with uh, Meg Ryan, right? No, Sleepless in Seattle was Tom Hanks. Oh yeah, you're right, sorry. But he, after that, he did do uh, Forget Paris, which is another rom-com also in the same vein. It's a hilarious movie. It's really well-written. Um, if hmm. you've ever seen it, you should. Yeah. Or if you've never seen it, you should. And if you if you have, would you, does it make your list of top rom-coms? Well, I, I am curious what, you know, some of our listeners, Drucker, Ivor, Brad, some of these guys, Jazzy, what you guys love for your romantic comedies, because hopefully, you know, this is Valentine's week. 
hopefully uh, you're watching some romantic comedies, enjoying yourselves. So CP, that does it for our podcast this week. But that was actually a really fun episode. Yeah, had a great time. And sweet. Um, audience, let us know. What are your lists? You know, as we're talking about some of these industry developed, what are your opinions? Is this going to change I, the way you watch movies? I know, That's right? <laughs> Well, it kind of is. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very interested to see what other Hollywood updates we get from Boone. Yeah, this might have to be a regular segment. Thanks, Boone. Yeah, you might be a contributor. So, <laughs> yeah. And on that note, I know we've we've been talking to a couple of you. So there might actually be a couple episodes coming up where we have more than just D-Man and CP. So could get could get a little fun on the show. I'm excited. It's been a while since we've had a guest on. And uh, just wanted to say, like CP said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow along at filmmakerscompass.com where we have all our social media links as well as a feed with all of the most recent episodes. So you can follow the show at Film comp podcast across all major social media you can follow me at big kid d man you can follow cp at ndcal5 thanks for checking out this week's episode of filmmakers compass podcast keep watching movies and we'll see you back here next week